0: From Yellowstone National Park, this is Telemetry, stories of science and nature from the world's first national park.
1: All right, guys, we're ready for the first one.
0: It's not yet dawn when someone gives the signal. Dark figures in puffy jackets are up on a scaffold. They move into place against the pale sky, and it's quiet. Weirdly quiet for the number of people here and what's about to happen. At the Stevens Creek facility inside Yellowstone National Park, the staff works a system of ropes and pulleys. A corral gate opens. And then a single person rushes through a curved passage toward what's called the squeeze chute. The gate closes behind. Inside the squeeze chute, mechanical walls close in on the animal's flanks. His ID number is quickly logged. Then the chute opens, and this three-year-old bison, a wild American plains bison, escapes down a constricted alley in the only direction he can. And into a livestock trailer. Many winters, hundreds of Yellowstone bison are loaded onto trailers. Trailers just like this one, to be slaughtered. They're shipped to slaughter facilities to reduce the number of bison migrating outside the park and into the state of Montana. Because in the state of Montana, there is limited tolerance for wild bison on the landscape. But these bison are not being shipped to slaughter. These bison are going to a wide prairie on the Fort Peck Indian Reservation. Today on Telemetry, we're talking about the rehoming of wild bison from Yellowstone National Park to the Assiniboine and Sioux tribes of the Fort Peck Indian Reservation. That rehoming is part of a program called Quarantine. The program is one of the only alternatives to shipping wild bison to slaughter, and its history in the making.
2: You're wearing light colors. They seem to, they'll like, that's why I, would, I usually wear a white hat just for that reason. Yeah.
0: Um, okay, great. Yeah, so let's continue let's go with the tour. Down to the
2: facility.
0: Dr. Chris Jeremiah is a wildlife biologist at Yellowstone National Park. He manages Yellowstone's bison program.
2: Just be careful, sometimes there's rattlesnakes in the taller grass.
0: Chris and I are walking around the Stevens Creek right facility. There. It's midsummer weeks before any bison will go to Fort Peck. The ground is threadbare, dead grass and dirt, and the flies are pretty bad today. Stevens Creek is the epicenter of bison conservation. Bison are migratory, and the states surrounding Yellowstone National Park treat bison differently than other migratory wildlife. After a court-mediated settlement, Stevens Creek was built in the late 1990s to manage bison migrating out of the park Today, Stevens Creek is where migrating bison are captured and either shipped to slaughter or held until they can be transferred outside the park as part of quarantine. Chris says the story of quarantine is a story of success. It's the result of decades of collaboration between a legion of federal, state, and tribal stakeholders.
2: There are so many people that want us to find another solution to Sending bison to slaughter They want us to find a way to get live Bison out We're really just trying to show people how you can do it To show people that we can Move live bison out of Yellowstone We can send them to tribes. We can reconnect tribes and bison and Hopefully in the fullness of time reconnect bison with public lands.
0: But like most stories of bison conservation Chris says it's also shot through with complexity and compromise.
2: You know I kind of see it like you're standing you know to use a park analogy in the middle of Hayden Valley which is a huge valley in the middle of the park and you're in waist deep snow and bison conservation is like postholing across that valley. You just don't go anywhere quickly, and it's an awful lot of hard work. Okay, so let's go to the big sorting pen, or the original sorting pen, which we call the bullpen. When we first created Stevens Creek, it was where we are going to put the bulls.
0: (laughs) We climb up onto the scaffold that overlooks the facility. This is my first time up here, and I'll be honest, the view is a little unsettling. I'm used to seeing wild bison out in the big green valleys of the park, rivers and trout streams running through. But here, I see 55 male bison inside an ordinary pen. And I'm thinking, how did we get here?
1: A hundred or more years ago, many wildlife species, most wildlife species, were harvested to sustain the pioneering you know, way of, of people exploring the West.
0: That's Rick Wallen back in 2014, Rick used to lead Yellowstone's bison program before he retired in
1: 2018. And elk, deer, pronghorn, all the large animals were of very low abundance after we colonized Western United States.
0: But with bison, the situation was even more troubling. It's estimated that somewhere between 30 and 70 million bison roamed this land before European colonization. As settlers moved west, the extermination of the American bison began. Many saw bison as both a marketable commodity and a means to suppress the tribes, tribes who revered and depended on bison. And so within just a few decades, the bison were all but annihilated.
1: In fact, in the turn of the last century, the only known wild bison were in Yellowstone National Park. There was only a couple of dozen.
0: From tens of millions to a couple of dozen, a couple of dozen animals hunkered down deep in the interior of Yellowstone National Park, the only wild, free-ranging bison in the area remaining from the original great herds. It's hard to grasp. Such willful decimation. But national debate over the near extinction of the American bison would go on to inspire one of the country's first conservation achievements—
1: it was uh, phenomenal that our forefathers had the, the insight to preserve Yellowstone National Park. And I think they did it um, partly because they saw what was happening to wild bison across the country, and partly to preserve the unique landscape and geological features of the landscape. So this is it. This is the, you know kind of the location that preserved wild bison um, into eternity.
0: In addition to the couple of dozen animals in Yellowstone, there were an estimated 300 or so bison that survived in privately owned herds across North America. In fact, a few animals from those private herds were brought to Yellowstone to start a breeding program. And after decades of protection and restoration efforts, the number of bison in Yellowstone grew from a couple of dozen animals to a few thousand.
1: So that's a very successful program. With all of that success comes the propensity for them to wander and roam, and now they want to roam well beyond the preserve that we've set up here as Yellowstone National Park.
0: And roaming beyond the boundaries of Yellowstone National Park has led to one of the most complex cross-boundary wildlife issues of our time. Three states surround Yellowstone National Park, Idaho, Wyoming, and Montana. Very few bison migrate outside the park into areas of Idaho and Wyoming. Most of the bison that migrate outside Yellowstone wander into the state of Montana, where there's limited tolerance for bison.
1: Um, Bison are big. They scare people. They break things. And and encountering a buffalo at 70 miles an hour isn't very... Comforting sight.
0: (laughs) But there are also fears that bison could transmit a disease called brucellosis to cattle. Brucellosis is a bacterial disease that can cause miscarriages in animals like bison and elk and domestic cattle. Domestic cattle introduced the disease to wildlife before the 1930s. Now, wildlife in the greater Yellowstone area, including elk and bison, can give it back to cattle.
1: Um, The concern about brucellosis is that if wildlife, well, let me back up one step. The concern really is that the livestock industry has worked really hard for many decades to eliminate the disease in livestock. So their concern is, you know, legitimate. They've worked hard, cleaned up their industry, and they'd like to see this additional threat um, eliminated
0: In an effort to try to eliminate or at least mitigate conflicts between humans and bison in the state of Montana, the state and the federal government reached a court-mediated settlement on how to manage Yellowstone bison. The idea was to limit the number of bison in Yellowstone and reduce the risk of bison migrating out of the park and transmitting brucellosis to cattle.
1: So in order to prevent dispersal beyond our established conservation area, there are years where the agencies need to get together and develop a management strategy to cull bison.
0: Until quarantine, there were really only two main options for culling or removing bison. Hunting outside park boundaries or shipping animals to slaughter. Hunting only removes a limited number of animals, So shipping to slaughter has become the primary method of calling wild bison. But here's one of the tricky things about managing bison when it comes to brucellosis. It's elk, not bison, that have reinfected domestic cattle. Elk have reinfected cattle almost 30 times over the last several decades. And elk are not managed the same way as bison. Elk are not shipped to slaughter. In fact, elk roam free outside the boundaries of the park, where they frequently come into contact with cattle. Because of this, many experts argue that the risk of brucellosis transmission between bison and cattle is not a scientifically credible reason for the differential treatment of bison compared to elk. So until there is more support for wild bison living outside of Yellowstone National Park, hundreds of Yellowstone bison will continue to be culled in many years. Some bison are removed through hunting outside the park, some undergo quarantine, and some are sent to slaughter.
1: So that is a very controversial side of bison management. Um, Many people don't like to see um, the animals sent to slaughter. Um, The National Park Service would prefer not to send the animals to slaughter, Um, but it is a mitigation measure to you know, allow us to have the acceptance for bison outside the park that we do have.
0: I'm back at Stevens Creek with Chris Jeremiah. We're still looking out over the facility at the 55 male bison inside their ordinary pen, at the 55 bison who are about to complete part of the quarantine process.
2: Okay, So quarantine is a three-step process. So probably the biggest challenge that we faced with quarantine was trying to figure out where and how we do these three phases.
0: Chris is talking about the protocols for males. The steps for quarantine are different for males and females. But for males, the process goes like this. Phase one is a screening phase during which all animals in the group have to test negative for brucellosis during two consecutive months. This takes about 200 days. Animals that pass phase one move on to phase two. In phase two, they must test negative two more times over the course of one year. And phase three is what's called assurance testing. It's kind of a fail safe. Phase three includes two more tests over another year. So for males, that means 200 days plus one year plus one year.
2: So when we originally built this pen, The thought was that only that first phase that I described would happen in Yellowstone because we'd never documented an animal having brucellosis, having bacteria after that first 200 days, that screening phase. We thought that that would be sufficient and Fort Peck would be the place where they'd undergo that phase two quarantine and phase three assurance testing. So... We didn't think they were going to be here that long. We thought they'd be here 200 days.
0: The tribes thought that way too. They built their facility with managing the full quarantine process in mind.
2: The facilities up at Fort Peck are much more capable for handling large numbers of animals you know, than what we have here. It has all of the infrastructure. It has all of the land, and it's much larger than any of the, the structures within Yellowstone National Park. It's a great place to do quarantine. You know, and on top of that, all of the costs associated with caring for and feeding animals would not be incurred by the federal government.
0: But disease management protocols dictate that it's only after an animal passes phase two that a state veterinarian can certify it as brucellosis-free. And according to Montana state law, Only brucellosis-free animals can be transported outside the designated surveillance area for brucellosis, which surrounds Yellowstone.
2: So we were stuck at this impasse. So I think we got to the point where maybe it makes sense to try and reach the common ground that we all have and start getting operational quarantine started.
0: And for now, that means phase one and two happen inside the designated surveillance area for brucellosis. And only phase three happens at Fort Peck.
2: Something we've had to learn now is, well, can these bison actually live in an old weed field?
0: I spend the later part of the day on a flatbed truck with Chris and a couple of the Stevens Creek Wranglers. They fill the truck with bales of hay, then Chris drives around the pen in a wide arc. The Wranglers flake bales of hay off the back of the truck. The bison file in behind to feed. They follow the contour of hay in plodding steps. Almost two years of this.
2: it keeps you up at night at times Um, I never never at any point in my life would I have you know envisioned that I would be trying to help come up with strategies for wildlife conservation that just don't feel like wildlife conservation at some points because it's very complex but and I would definitely do it again in a heartbeat You know, seeing these animals with those trailers heading north to Fort Peck, you know, those successes, uh, that makes, I think, all the rest worthwhile. It's going to be a good day.
1: that for some space.
0: On August 19, 2019, seven trailers full of bison pulled into the quarantine facility at the Fort Peck Indian Reservation. The Fort Peck Reservation lies beyond a stretch of northern Montana called the High Line. I've heard people describe it as God's country, and now I see why. Rolling hills of late summer grass and wheat draw an endless line under a wash of blue. These bison traveled 500 miles to get here. They're the first of that larger group of bison to be transferred to the tribes, 55 in all. The trailers line up side by side. Workers unlock the trailers. and one by one, they open the doors. 19 wild bison barrel out of the trailers and into the prairie beyond. The start of a new fate for Yellowstone bison captured at Stevens Creek.
3: The 19 bison that we just released out here is an awesome event.
0: That's Floyd Azure, chairman of the Fort Peck tribes.
3: It's a feeling I can't express. I mean, it's something that uh, I don't know. I think it, you have to be Native American to uh, to understand what it is.
0: Chairman Azure is looking out past the fences, past the fences at the group of bison that are noses to the ground, nibbling on bites of grass.
3: It's just like that's beautiful. I mean, you don't see anything more beautiful than that, and my ancestors seen that every day, and they realized what they had. And uh, now I understand. That's why they were very protective of the bison. It was their everyday survival, so... And that's what uh, I feel today is is just that uh, I understand.
0: Bison hold great value, cultural and spiritual value, for many tribes. And Yellowstone bison are special because they're seen as some of the only genetically pure descendants of the ancestral herds that once roamed across North America. Many tribes view the treatment of bison as a grave injustice and see the restoration of bison as a source of healing.
3: I want to get back to where we were back then, where we took care of ourselves, where we didn't have to depend on any government or anybody. We took care of each other. We took care of nature to make sure that we had food for the next day. We've had a lot of uh, ups and downs since one. We had to prove ourselves numerous times, and I think finally we got it across that we can do this and we will do this.
0: Chairman Azure says that trust has been an issue among the interagency partners that manage quarantine and that sometimes the tribes have felt left out of the decision-making process.
3: It's a stereotypical picture of the Native American, that we can't do anything. No, we can. I mean, if we get the right people, it's just like anybody else. You get the right people in place, you get the right attitude, it gets done.
0: And Chairman Azure says the Fort Peck tribes have the right attitude and the right people.
1: Today was a very historical day, I feel.
0: Robbie Magnan is the director of the Fort Peck Tribe's Fish and Wildlife Department. He runs the buffalo program for the tribes.
1: Personally, I feel that we accomplished something finally. We wanted to see these animals come out alive. Our whole goal is to get buffalo restored to other places in the United States.
0: Once bison complete their last phase of quarantine at Fort Peck, They can be released on the reservation or go to other tribes and organizations that want to establish conservation herds. In fact, the Fort Peck tribes have already transferred some of their earlier quarantine graduates to the Bronx Zoo and some to the Wind River Reservation in Wyoming. And the Fort Peck tribes are actively exploring more possibilities like these with the Intertribal Buffalo Council, that's a coalition of 69 federally recognized tribes committed to restoring Buffalo to Indian country. Robbie Magnan says it's time for tribes to reconnect with the Buffalo.
1: Buffalo, I've been part of Native Americans' economy. And we left the Buffalo. They didn't leave us. We need to get back to the Buffalo and learn from them again. See, if keep watching these guys, <laughs> keep learning from these guys, it's my only hope right now.
0: Hope. Chairman Azure says that's the overriding feeling here today. Hope for a future with bison. Hope for a future with more collaboration.
3: I hope that we don't have any more fights over this. I hope that we can work together on more projects than this. Understand that working together solves problems. I mean, no one is any different than anybody else. God created us all equal. And that's how we're going to survive, and that's how we uh, get things done. I mean, the problems can be solved by working together, not by separating each other.
0: That night, Chris and the rest of the group from Yellowstone's Bison Management Office make camp outside the fenced pasture. The sky turns orange, then starry, and the crickets start to sing. Rick Wallen is there too. He's come to help and, not for nothing, to see the years of work before retirement bear out.
1: Well, you know, Yellowstone Bison for many decades have had a frightful ending when they leave the National Park. The conservation of Yellowstone Bison should never be about, you know, fright. They're they're not a pest on the landscape. Stone Bison are a cultural resource and a legacy. They're a noble native wildlife species on the landscape, and deserve some sort of an honorable ending. And for these animals that want to migrate out of the national park, they find that there's no place for them to go. We've spent a decade trying to find a place for them to go, and that place right now is a trailer trip to Fort Peck Indian Reservation. And the tribes here at Fort Peck honor them more than most of the world. So, until we can find more space for wild bison in the greater Yellowstone area, this becomes an alternative to, you know, a, a death trap and a shipment to slaughter. And we're happy. We're happy to see them find tall grass and and beautiful sunsets on the prairie where their ancestors once lived by the millions. and May they long live a happy life.
0: The next morning, we make the trip back to Yellowstone, back to Stevens Creek, back to get ready for two more transfers of bison. In 36 hours, we've driven 1,000 miles, and there are 2,000 more to go.
2: Last night when we we're up at Fort Peck, you asked me, you know, what was I thinking about seeing those first nineteen bison get released up at Fort Peck? You know, today we're back at Stevens Creek. You know, ten years ago I never would have thought that uh, quarantine was a possibility. You know, it was a compromise. Everybody had to give something to to reach that goal, and each partner has to do exactly what they need to do in each stage for this to be successful you know we have to trust each other we can only go as far as we can all go together you know my goal with these 55 bison is to to show people how to do quarantine so we need other people to Learn from what we just showed is possible. I think what we need to say is that we open the door, but we also need to pass the torch on doing quarantine. And these 55 bison are, they'll be teachers to us all.
0: Chris and I get in his car. He sticks the key in the ignition, then takes it out. It's only a few months until winter, when culling could begin, but also the next opportunity to bring new animals into quarantine. Through the dusty windshield, we can see the pen holding the rest of the bison that will go to Fort Peck. Chris looks out past the fences, past the bison, past the line of cottonwoods that marks the park boundary in the distance. It's been a long road. But I think Chris is the kind of guy who's okay with playing the long game.
2: I've spent a lot of time with bison in this park, and I've seen you know some of the most amazing things from uh, you know whether it's the you know the natural behavior of bison or you know watching a uh, you know a young kid kind of go out to watch bison like carrying his little bison stuffed animal. Just so excited to, uh, to see Yellowstone bison. And I've with management seen some of the hardest things that I've had to do, which is to uh, send these animals to slaughter. And I, I just see a, a place for quarantine. It can reconnect tribes with bison. It can help protect the, the genome of bison. And it has potential to reconnect bison with public lands.
0: <laughs> Tell me about your truck. It's a
2: 1907 Tacoma, (laughs) 1997. Did I say (laughs) 07?
0: How many miles?
2: 271,000. Maybe it's time to replace the fan belt.
0: (laughs) As Chris and I drive back to his office, we pass under the Roosevelt Arch. It's a 50-foot stone arch with the inscription, For the Benefit and Enjoyment of the People. That's a phrase from the 1872 legislation that established Yellowstone National Park. For the benefit and enjoyment of the people. And not just some of the people, all of the people. Just that one phrase, it holds so much. How simple things might have been if Yellowstone had been established solely with the preservation of nature in mind. But it wasn't. And that tension, that balance, between managing for our ecological values our cultural values, and our political values is what makes our decisions so hard and so worthwhile. Make no mistake, we have tough choices ahead, but even Theodore Roosevelt knew that nothing worth having comes easy. Telemetry is made possible by Yellowstone Forever, the official nonprofit partner of Yellowstone National Park. More at yellowstone.org. And by Canon USA's Eyes on Yellowstone program. Thanks also to the Acoustic Atlas at the Montana State University Library. You can find more episodes at go.nps.gov forward slash telemetry. Thanks for listening.